In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I'm super pumped to have Steve Scott on the podcast today. So Steve is a high-performance life coach and a Come Follow Me YouTuber and podcaster. Steve has degrees from BYU with a degree in marriage and family therapy and a master's degree from Gonzaga University in leadership. Steve's worked for the church education system for 16 years teaching seminary and institute. Steve and his wife, Chelsea, have seven children, six boys and one little girl. Steve specializes in life coaching teenagers and has produced numerous opportunities for teens to grow emotionally and spiritually. His unique coaching and mentoring program reaches teens throughout the world. Just found out he's a fellow Canadian like myself, Steve. Welcome to Doing Good. Thank you. I'm excited. I am pumped. I really am. I'm pumped too. You use that word. I just, I think it's, I love, I love it. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're going to talk to us today. And I think it's so fun that we have all these connections. I was born in Edmonton. My family lives in High River. You're in Cardston. You're related to my brother-in-law, Ben Cahoom, who is a very incredible football player, played for the Montreal Alouettes for years and years. So it's just fun that with people I think, oh, I don't know anything about this person. Come to find out <laughs> there's like all these connections. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done like relatives around me only to find out you're related to half the room? Oh, totally. They didn't even know it. Totally. It's so fun to do. I love doing things like that. And like, you're my third cousin once removed. And who knows? Maybe we are up there in Canada too. That's awesome. Well, Steve, I would love to talk to you about ways that Heavenly Father has blessed or guided your life that were different from how you thought he was going to possibly bless and guide your life. We talk about blessings a lot in my family with my boys, if you, if you, if you do this, you'll get that. And if you follow this commandment, this promise is, will come to you. And there are actual literal promises that are associated with keeping the commandments. And some of them are, yeah, you do this. And this is the exact promise that heavenly father said he, he will give you. But then there's lots of other things in life where you follow the commandments and you do what's right. And and you think your life will turn out one way and it maybe doesn't. So First of all, I'd just love to hear a little background on you growing up, some of your passions and talents and and things that Heavenly Father blessed you with. And what was maybe your vision for your life growing up? And then I'd love to talk about how Heavenly Father molded and shaped you into something even more amazing than you could think. Well, well, that's a, uh, let me. So here we go. Take 45. Here we go. Tell us your all life. Right. So I grew up. I grew up pretty poor. My parents, my dad, I was raised on a ranch. My parents moved us out of a town and into the family ranch. And in doing that, my dad lost his job. And so I spent a lot of time just, um, my dad coached me in sports a lot. He had a lot of time. I mean, he wasn't working. So he coached me in sports a lot. And I got really, when I was younger, I played baseball and that was my favorite sport. That was the one. And when I was like 13, 14, I started doing prospecting draft camps for the Yankees and for the Angels and for the Rockies, That's Major League Baseball. Good. Yeah. So I thought, I thought for sure I was going to be playing Major League Baseball. And that was, that was my passion, absolute passion. And then because we were so poor, my mom wouldn't let us, we couldn't afford to play football. And Ben Cahoon's uncle actually reached out to my mom and said, will you let Steve play football? And she said, I can't afford it. There's no way. Yeah. And he said, well, what if I pay for him to play? Oh, Would no. you be okay if I paid for him to play? Wow. And so my mom said, well, of course, he's a little violent, so I don't know how this <laughs> <laughs> works. <laughs> and so I started playing football and I loved it. I loved it. And so they didn't have anyone who could throw the ball. And so they said, Steve, why don't you throw the ball? And so here I just started throwing a football for the first time in the eighth grade and I got really good at it. And not only that is I could run. So I 
I could run a four five forty, which was really fast as a freshman. That is really fast. <clears throat> and so here I could throw, I could throw the ball 70 yards and I could run really fast. And so it just spurred on this, this life of mine that was so fun to play. And I felt like once I got on the field, a different person just kind of showed up and I got lots of, you know, it was just lots of cheering and I loved that. And I loved the game settings of football. And so I played football and I never, I tell everyone said, so what was the process? I said, I, and when I was a freshman, I never played a game of JV, anything in my life. And so yeah. I started as, I started as the quarterback and I played and I won some awards in my senior year and I got invited to play in an all-star game in Calgary and I won the most outstanding player in that no game. Way. And so that was when, and I was getting recruited at BYU and, and all of these, I started getting letters and people interested in what I was supposed to do. And I went to my mom before this game happened and I said, mom, I don't know what to do. I, I was, I was just started dating a girl and I really liked her. And I said, I don't know what to do, mom. Should I go play football? Should I continue to date this girl or should I go on a mission? She said, have you prayed about it? And I said, well, no, not yeah. at all. She said, oh, I'm not talking to you until you pray about it. I'm not even going to give you my opinion. Talk bad before you talk to your mom. Yeah. 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 And so I went to my room and I went to kneel down and just, I didn't even hit my knees, I, I swear. And this thought came and this voice was like, you already know what you're supposed to do. I was like, yes, I, you're right, Heavenly Father. I do know what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. And it was so strong. I was like, okay, I'm going to serve a mission. So after this football game, wow, I just... I knew it so strongly and I vocalized it to my mom and I told, I'm like, I'm going on a mission first. Well, I won this award and all of a sudden it all just broke loose. I got phone calls and email, like just messages, people calling the, the house phone looking for me and like recruiting and, and it just went crazy. And I told everyone after the game that I was going to serve a mission for the LDS church. And yes. this old grizzled reporter kind of got really snarly and rude and told me how dumb I was for doing this. Well, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that I, that, that was a dumb decision to anyone else. I thought of it, but another reporter from the Calgary Sun wrote a, wrote an article called Storm and Mormon, Steve Scott, a man on a mission. Oh, no way. And, and he put it in the Sunday religious section. And then it all kind of blew up. And so here I am, this, this kid, this Mormon kid playing football that doesn't want to go on a mission, but he's the best that we got. And I just remember going golfing with the girl that I was dating, who's now my wife and her, her grandma. And we were at the, the golf course and we were at the clubhouse for lunch and the sports channel was on and they cut away to nationals. It's going to be like, Hey, it's going to be like the junior nationals for football. It's going to be happening here in Alberta. And Oh, by the way, here's the coach and here, Oh, by the way, they have Steve Scott and they did this whole thing on me and I'm sitting in the clubhouse going, what is happening right now? Yeah. People are, people are looking at me being like, that's you. And I was like, that is me. That's weird. And my wife's girlfriend, like girlfriend, she says, what is happening? I don't know. Yeah. No idea. So I went to nationals and I quarterbacked the Alberta team and we wa we went to nationals and I won the most outstanding player for for Canada no, in that tournament. And then it all blew up again. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was supposed to I knew I was supposed to go on a mission. So my girlfriend decided to go to BY Hawaii to to go to school. And I was preparing for my mission. So I put my mission papers in. And when I opened my mission call, it said, you're hereby called to serve in the Hawaii Honolulu mission. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, this is a joke. Yes. Father, this is, this has got to be a joke. There's no way that this is happening. I am not going to Hawaii. Chelsea is in Hawaii and I can't go. I cannot go. And then I thought for a minute, I was like, I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. So I ended up serving my mission. So the question is like ways that Heavenly Father's blessed your life that you didn't think, that you didn't know. Yes. Heavenly Father just started to orchestrate my life the minute I chose. Be like, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to choose you all the time. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to choose you. And so that was the first part was football. And then all of a sudden I served my mission in Hawaii. And 
I, I felt the hand of the Lord because I actually, my mission presence, like you'll never see her. And just like, you remember that part on Nacho Libre, the movie when it's like, it was a lie. Yes. Steven, it was a lie. That was, that was the, that was the part where it's like, this is a lie. Cause That's I saw a her lie. all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Well, it's not very big, especially BYU campus and where it, you know, where the mission home is. Like, uh, it, it would make sense that you totally would see her. But not to a little farm boy in Canada. That oh, makes sense. I was thinking, no, it would never happen. Yeah. So I ended, I ended up actually at one point being called to serve at BYU Hawaii. Oh, and, wow. And we, I just said, you know, I can't handle this. And we ended up just kind of going radio silent for the yeah. next six months. And then I got home and we got married. And that's pretty much how it happened. I got home. She came home. I looked at her. She looked at me and I said, I really love you. And she said, I really love you too. And when do you want to get married? And we got married and we decided to go to BYU. And I got recruited again to play football. So I'm thinking, Heavenly Father, thank you. Now I'll be able to live that life that I want to live. I'm yep. going to go play football. I'm going to go. And they said, come. This is going to be wonderful. We're going to convert you to a free safety and you're going to play. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a cougar. I'm just so excited. Like this is my boyhood dream. I finally get to go. I get to go to an LDS school. Yes. I, play, I got the girl that I love. I have everything. This is it. I'm going to. This gonna, is it. Life is oh, perfect. Heavenly father, write the book right now. Cause it's, I'm going to be the next Ty Detmer and I'm going to win the Heisman. I'm going to play in the NFL. Yep. Well, I got down there and the Lord had other plans. And I was gray shirting the first to get back in shape, to get game ready. And Chelsea, my wife, started working at the Cannon Center cafeteria for $6.30 an hour. We realized we, had, we did not have enough money to pay our bills. Yep. And I prayed about it. And Heavenly Father, I felt the prompting be like, Steve, I didn't bring you here to play football. And I was like, you did what? Why? I did what? Are you kidding me? And I cried. Like I, I, I cried. I literally like 21 year old boy. I just cried and cried. And Chelsea came home and said, what's the matter? I said, I'm supposed to quit playing football. It's, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Even now I get emotional because I was like, what? Yeah. And she's like, it'll be fine, honey. It'll be fine. I'm like, this will not be fine. Yeah. This is it. And I remember shortly after the real kicker is they were playing flag football, like intramurals. And I went out and I said, Hey, does anyone need a team? Like, could I join you as team? This guy looked at me, he goes, we don't need you. Oh. And I was like, dude, you have no idea what you're missing out on. But I can't believe he just said that. I felt like I was on the elementary school yard and I walked back to my house and I thought, that's it. My life's over. Yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. And I went through this character like just this loss of identity. For sure. I don't know what to do now. Heavenly Father, I've chosen you my whole life and now I'm not getting what I want. Yeah. So it was at that point I started changing kind of my, my career, looking at my degrees and I started working at the Missionary Training Center. Wow. And that was, that was amazing to me. I just was, I loved teaching. I love, love teaching. And I realized that I was really, I was better at teaching than I was at football, which was a shocker. And I really loved it. And I found that I could put my, my love into the gospel and love back into teaching. And I started doing a degree in marriage and family therapy because I love working with people. I'm fascinated by human behavior. Yeah. And, uh, but I couldn't play football. So I tried to trick God and I tried to try out for the BYU baseball team. And I was doing really good. And I was doing really good. I was like, I'll show you. I'm going back door. I'm going back to the M like MLB. And that's when we found out my oldest son was going to be born. And, and <sighs> I realized like I couldn't be a dad and a student and play baseball. And I was like, Heavenly Father, you are so, so sneaky not like, fair <laughs> i was like this, this is not what i was planning again so One I went, step ahead again yeah oh, it's like he knows what he's doing it's like he just knows yep and and so i i stopped that and i went headfirst into my degree and then i took a class i was like i 
my wife and I have plans. We're like, we're going to do, we're going to start a treatment center for girls. We're both doing the same degree. We're going to help young teenagers. We're going to help them get on their feet. We love this stuff. It's so good. We're going to go back to Canada. We're going to open a treatment center. And then I took a class called Intro to Teaching Seminary. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that it would help me be a better teacher at the MTC. I took the class. I didn't realize people were trying to be seminary teachers. I just walked in there. I started taking the class. And next thing I know, they're like, would you record it? you teaching. And I did, I did a little video recording of me teaching. And then brother born, the guy came to me and he said, Steve, would you consider going to the next class? I said, I didn't know there is one. He said, it's by invitation only. And I said, well, wonderful. Yeah. I, I still didn't know that that meant teaching seminary. Yes. And, and then next thing I know, I'm a student teaching at Provo high school, teaching seminary. No way. And this is just so fun. I loved yeah. it. I was like, this is awesome. And then they said, do you want a job? And I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to be or right. wait, hold up. What's going on? Like seminary teachers don't make money. I don't. And I prayed about it. And Heavenly Father's like, this is where I want you to be. But I was like, but Heavenly Father, I don't want to be poor. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like he said, but I have some lessons that I need to teach you. Yes. And so without getting like super emotional, like it was the best time of my life. And I think I needed seminary and institute more than they needed me. Because wow. I learned so many lessons. I came back home to Canada. I taught seminary and institute for 16 years. Wow. And uh, some of that greatest, greatest growth and learning happened that way. But to answer your question, it's a long way to say, like, those are ways that Heavenly Father has blessed my life in ways that I did not think. And in that time, I thought having a family of like two kids would be really difficult for me. And like, I'd be like, that's all I can handle. Yeah. And now I have, then I had seven. And I was like, Heavenly Father just stretched me into being a dad. And that these are ways like just the consistent ways that Heavenly Fathers continued to do that. So then I taught seminary and then here's another one. Do you mind if I could just keep going? Please do. I okay. do. I love it so much. I, and I have so many thoughts on it too. So I, I this is the whole point. Well, do you, so then I... Uh, three and a half years ago, right before COVID, I had a feeling, this is 2019, I had a prompting that I was supposed to transition out of seminary. My wife had started her own little business. It wasn't a financial decision. and But I was worried about what people would think of me, be like, what are you doing, Steve? This is like what you've done. And But I prayed about it, fast about it, and I transitioned away to work with my wife in her her business and help her. And and what was your I, business? So she she works with DoTerra. Okay. And she so she started a little entrepreneurial business, and she loves health, and she loves wellness, and she loves coaching and helping women around. And she does right now. She helps women all over the world with health and wellness and emotions. And she loves oils. She loves essential oils. But here I am, like I'm a man, like gonna go teach essential oils. And like, right. Like, You're like this is way off. They're like, dude, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. Heavenly Father's just sending me here. Yes. Well, after I retired, a month after I retired, I felt like come follow me was just fresh. It was like 2019 and it's just the first year New Testament. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I should just put a video up on YouTube, which is just so foreign to me. I was like, why would I do that? And I'll just teach, come follow me. And if any of my old seminary kids want to study with me and I can just put it on there and it can be kind of organic. And, and all of a sudden it got like 250 subscribers and then it was at a thousand subscribers. And then my six-year-old daughter thought that we should be selling merch. Dad, we're going to sell merch now. You got a thousand subscribers. And then we it went to 5,000, 10,000, and just grew and grew and grew. And it was amazing to watch as I got messages all over the world. But I could never have done that if I was in seminary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No way. Ever. Ever. And so this YouTube channel just blew up. And and I was like, heavenly fall. And then I looked at my patriarchal blessing and, it's, and it mentions, says, I bless you that you will share the gospel throughout the world by means of inventions and communication. Oh, wow. And I was like, heavenly. Awesome. And so here I sit now. And then I was like, heavenly father, now what do you want me to do? And someone said, 
Steve, can you can you life coach my teenager? And I was like, oh, can I? Can I really? Please? That'd be amazing. I love teenagers and I miss them so much. And yeah. only one, not 300? I can totally do this. And they yeah. say, are you, qual- are you qualified? I'm like, I'm overqualified. Totally overqualified. But I'll do it. And so I started life coaching this one teenager. And then it turned to more and more and more. And now I have a whole business organization devoted to mentoring and coaching teenagers in there throughout the world. Like I have in, I have in Europe, I have some in the Cook Islands. I have some in that are in Australia, New Zealand. I coach kids all over the world in helping them in spirituality and their emotions and their goals and their direction. And I'm like, Heavenly Father, you are just so good. Yep. Like, what is what is your life coaching business called? It's Steve Scott Coaching. It's really simple. Everything I put it, my YouTube channel was, what is it going to be called? I was like, the Steve Scott. Okay. And I put it there. <laughs> and I put the Steve Scott. And then I looked on Instagram. Oh, that's available. And then on Facebook, it was available. And Twitter and TikTok. And so my website is thestevescott.com. The Steve and- Scott. Yeah. The Steve Scott. The Steve Scott. Because I looked at it, I was like, there's, it's such a normal name, like a name that's like, everyone's like Steve Scott. I'm like, yeah, my middle name's Stanley too, if that helps you. So it's like a lot of S's and alliteration. And so I just said, I'm the Steve Scott. Yes. Yep. And that's, I'm that's the Steve Scott. Yeah. Well, okay. I have, I have so many follow-up questions on this incredible life story. And, and I, the biggest thing, like when you were telling this, is just I just heard such gratitude and joy in your voice, even despite your life turning out completely differently than as teenage Scott thought it would turn out. The joy and gratitude that comes from following God's plan. And that is the biggest thing that I want my children to know is no matter what happiness or pleasure or excitement the world can offer or you think you can plan out for your life. Because yes, if you would have stayed with football and just grinded hard and like, no, I'm going to get on I, I, that team no matter what, I'm going to get off the bench and I'm going to play or no, I am going to play baseball. Yeah, my wife can deal with the kid at home, but I'm going to do it. Like if you would have pushed really hard, Perhaps you could have found happiness and pleasure and excitement for a time. But I also believe that and 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 that our dreams and goals that we have for ourselves, they're they're not as fulfilling and long-lasting as the ones that that God has in store for us. And so even if you would have chosen that life and used your agency to pursue that, you would not have had this grateful joy and joy is a gift. I talk about this a lot that comes from the savior. Peace and joy are gifts that only Jesus Christ can offer. And they're emotions and feelings that only Jesus Christ offers. Satan can't duplicate or replicate them. He can with happiness and pleasure because that's how he gets us to sin. I mean, if everything was horrible and terrible, we would never do it. And so he, he tricks us into thinking this will bring me happiness and then drops us like a bad habit. And then we're even more devastated and sad and empty than we were before. But, but listening to you talk about even amidst your struggles and crying and, and, and heartbreak of, man, this is what I thought I wanted to do. And what I really still love is letting God prevail and following him that you have just this happy, grateful joy in your voice. And man, if we could just like bottle that up and say, but look, this is what you want to the, all those teens that you coach and, and all, all everyone that you influence through seminary and your coaching pro- program. These are the emotions and feelings and fulfillment that you want in your life. But I know even with all this joy and gratitude, it was not easy, first of all, to give up your baseball dream and then to transition to football, and then to transition to this to this faith-centered life with institute and seminary. How did you make those transitions easier? Was it because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Was it just patience? I mean, I, I know that wasn't easy, and you, you kind of jumped from, then I did this, and then I did this, and now look where I am. But what if someone is out there like, 
but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to turn my life over to Heavenly Father and make it work for me. And what if it's harder? And what if what if I'm more sad leaving this life behind? What advice would you give them of making the transition to trust in God? So this is this is my number one thing that I, I teach people on, and it's the it was the very first thing that I taught my my mom taught me, remember when I said she said, Have you prayed about it? Yeah. And I said, no. And one of the things I say, even on my YouTube channel, and I say everything, our, our responsibility in life is to connect to the power of heaven. And so I always say, connect up, connect up all the time. And in every one of these moments, I connected with God. And I said, what do you want me to do? Here's what I'm currently doing. Is that right? And if I didn't feel it, I couldn't do it. And there's, it's, it's basically asking Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you made me, you created me, you gave me this patriarchal blessing, you know better than me. I have agency and I'm choosing you first. I'm going to choose you. And, and anyone who knows me, my wife, I say the same thing. It's like, I pick God first. He's number one in my life. And as a young kid, when I knelt down, I realized, this is what I'm going to choose. I'm going to do this every time. Now, hindsight's 2020. You look back and you go, okay, I can see the Lord directing me in my life. Yeah. But faith is that the answer to that where we go, okay, I don't have to know everything, Heavenly Father, but what's the next thing that I need to do? What's the next thing? And then I write and I, I, I ponder and I pray and I get answers and I write them all down and I look at them and they're like, this is the one that I need to choose. It's this, Heavenly Father, is this right? And he goes, yeah, that's what, I, and I say, but that's not what I would have picked. Okay, I'll do it. I can do this. And so for the person who goes, I, I, I'm scared. Yeah, well, if your knees aren't knocking, you're not living because yeah. <laughs> we, 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 this, there was not a part in any of that story that I told you where, where I wasn't going, oh my goodness, how is this going to work out? I don't know. I, yeah. I'll just move forward. Well, how did you develop that relationship with Heavenly Father? Did you always feel like I get an answer to prayer and I go with it? Is, do you feel like that is one of your spiritual gifts? And, and what if people are like, I never know if I'm doing the right thing. I never know if he's talking to me. Maybe it's just a thought that came into my mind. And what if I do it and it was the wrong one? How did you develop that trust in him? Well, I think Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father's not going to reveal to us things that he's already revealed to prophets and apostles and things. And and I think the Lord doesn't gave us agency for a reason. So he doesn't need to like we don't need to pray over one percent or two percent milk. We can choose. Right. And, so a lot of it is it by is. By the way, that but choice. the answer is whole milk. By the way, whole, whole milk, and for all of those people, that's the that correct allergy, answer. For allergy people, we can give you almond milk. Yeah, yes, that's what some. <laughs> that's what my wife has to drink, and she'd be happy to hear that. But when we look at, when we look at, yes, the so the answer is yes. Sometimes it is a a spiritual gift of the gift to the faith to believe, and but I think it can be developed. One of the things that you said in the beginning is like, we look at those, those blessings. There's, we don't have to earn our way to heaven, but we can qualify for the blessings of heaven. And, and as I looked forward, if you looked at Alma 32 and he says, like, if you can just have a particle of faith, just be, let, let that belief just grow in you. And that belief is it, going to give you hope or faith. And that faith is going to lead to hope. and as you do that, it's just going to be like, I remember Elder Bednar teaching a lesson and, and he taught like it's like a, a climbing helix where it just like, just connects to each other. As I believe and have faith, I gain hope, I get charity, I draw closer to Jesus Christ. And so as a young boy, and what I teach teenagers too is you have to connect to the powers of heaven and learn to feel what the Holy Ghost, how he speaks to you whether it's through the feelings of peace or that gentleness in your heart or thoughts that come into your head or things that you feel. But when you act upon those promptings and you move forward and then you see the fruits of those promptings, it allows us to go, oh, that was the right 
that was right. That was a good decision. Yeah. On the opposite for me, I always tell my kids and they laugh. And I said, my spider senses are tingling. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. And they go, oh, dad's spider senses are tingling. And it just means I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel right. This doesn't feel like the right thing to be doing. Yep. And do you feel like you coach your teens in the same way that you parent your children? Like, do you feel like your, your children kind of had a front row seat and to learning from you? And I mean, obviously, but do you feel like you teach them the same principles and things you teach your teens? Like, or did you say, Hey, this really worked well on my kids or they really responded well to this. I wonder if this could be something that I could use in a broader sense for all teens. They could all benefit from this way of thinking or doing these things. So, yeah. So I learned, I don't think I'm, I'm a dad just like anybody else. If you have children and teenagers, they'll look at you and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. For sure. Uh, yeah. And, but I remember like my son coming out from a life coaching session with his life coach and he, he looked at me, he said, dad, you're never going to believe what he said. And he told me, and I had to walk into the other room. Cause I was like, I have told you that. I tell you that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. And I just paid someone else to tell you that. But that's what hap what happens. So I here's how I have learned from my what I have learned from my children, and the greatest lessons that I've learned from my children, I'm able to use in helping other children. Okay. Okay. The things that I learned in seminary and institute by coaching thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers, I then have implemented to my family and then also into these groups of teenagers that, that I coach. So yes, like I can directly correlate it. But the other thing too, is that as I'm working with a teenager, sometimes I go, wow, that that's exactly what my son's struggling with. And as I coach and work that teenager, I then get answers on the opposite side of how to help my own, my own son. That's awesome. I, it, it's hard being a parent and it's hard being a parent in these days. And I'm sure that there are so many parents out there that are so grateful to people like you that want to spend <laughs> their time outside of parenting, parenting their kids and helping them and coaching them. Because sometimes, like you said, I could say something to my kids and they'd be like, awesome and blow it off. And then another adult that they love and trust a young men leader or, or a coach or a teacher that they look up to can say it. And they're like, that is so profound. And you're like, <laughs> well, I'm glad you listened to it from someone because sometimes it, it is, it's just someone else maybe saying it or reaffirming it or someone that you're like, well, you're just my mom and you have to say that, or you're just my dad. And of course you do that. And so I'm sure there are just parents out there that are like, oh, thank you, Steve, for helping my kids and, and for being someone that they can learn from in such a positive way did it's such a it's such a process and there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of patience involved in teenagers to the parents out there who go man i wish someone would just fix my teenager i say yeah we don't we don't we're not in the business of fixing anything we can't force anybody there's agency involved in teenager life that yes and I think sometimes people forget. I had one mom come to me and say, Steve, I need you to fix this. And, and I had to tell her, I say, I'm going to tell you something really hard. And she said, what is it? I said, the very thing that you want me to fix in your teenager is the very thing that you're, you've created. Like you do the same thing and you created that. And they go, oh, I said, so I'm going to go and I'm going to go and fix it, like help with them work through it. And then I'm going to turn them back to you and you just keep recreating the same challenge with them. So you're going to have to work on things too. And this mom was like, oh my goodness, can you help me? And I was like, yes, because we're all in this together because parents aren't perfect either. And sometimes we put this unrealistic expectation on, on teenagers and say that they need to be perfect. And I say, they don't need to be perfect. We just, we just got to love them and keep trying and moving forward. Yeah. Just love them. Give them a chance to make a mistake. Give them a chance to be, feel loved. A teenager needs to feel loved more than anything. And just know that when I fall and when I make a mistake, and I will, I just need my mom and dad to really still love me and not like withdraw their love and affection because I made a bad decision. And I 
it seems so, that seems like obvious, like, of course, but it's so interesting how hard that is. And I don't know if it's because we have such high expectations or when they're children, it's easy to say, don't do that. No, no, don't do that. And they're like, okay. And then when they're teenagers, you're like, don't do that. And they're like, you don't know anything. And so <laughs> it's different than a child like, okay, I'm sorry. And put that toy back and don't hit your brother and don't say those bad words and put your clothes back on, you know, whatever. It's like, these are things we don't do, you know, don't run around in the backyard without your clothes on because you think it's funny to my little seven-year-old and we don't wrestle each other and punch each other in the face and we don't do all these things. But then when they're teenagers and it's bigger things, you're like, wait, don't do that. And they're like, but why? And why is that bad? Or mom, you're just being judgmental or you don't know. And that's something for me as a mom, I, I have one teenager right now and a soon-to-be teenager, a teenager right now. And yeah. I'm like, I, I never thought I would be as hard on them as I am. And I, and my husband will say, Carmen, back off a little, like just give them grace and give them love. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. And it's almost like a, why would you do that? How could you do that? (laughs) And I don't even realize I'm doing it. And, and I am. And then I worry that now I've ruined them and now they won't come to me for things. And now they won't trust me for things because I'm too hard when they, when I catch them or when, when they say things or when they do things. And I'm like, I don't even realize that. I I don't know if it's, I'm so worried about keeping them on the right path that anytime they stray a little, I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. No, (laughs) but I, but I am. And how, how can we as parents be better at that or, or give our teenagers space and room to make mistakes and then smash our faces into the pillow and scream when they leave instead of saying it to their faces like what in the world were you thinking (laughs) how can we be better at that because this is something i really do want to work on so there's i'll give you a couple things okay and this is this is so fun like i i will geek out over this stuff every day all day i love it i i so number one is in in teenage development about 12 and 13 years old a little younger for girls their development starts changing in their brain and the the last thing to develop is the very front so if you can just imagine their development goes from the back of their brain to the front of their brain yep and rational thinking is the last thing to develop well yeah bless it of course it is right so so how do they function is they function on emotion impulse yeah impulse and emotion impulse and emotion and it becomes so you literally talk to a teenager as a parent and say, What were you thinking? And they say, I, I don't know. And I the truth know. Is, they have no idea. What <laughs> yep. Like Bill Cosby, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yep. And so I teach teenagers this. I say, in one of the first sessions I teach them, I say, I teach them about their brain. And I say, You are literally functioning right now on emotion and hormones. Welcome to teenage life. And so when you get out of the session, I want you to tell your parents because they're going to say, what did you learn today? And I want you to tell them, it turns out I don't have a brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And their parents be like, okay, so that's the first understanding for parents is to go in their development. When you look in the eye and them in the eyes and they go, I don't have a clue what you're saying. You can see that they don't know. You can recognize that it is a developmental process that every teenager is going to go through and you need to give them that grace. And because emotion is so readily available to them, the emotions of love, like the emotion of love, feeling loved is that translates so quickly to them or that, or that's why they were use words like, oh, it's so cringe. Like that's so cringe. Oh, I like awkward. Because these are all emotion words that they'll use to describe how they're feeling. Interesting. Well, in parenting, there's th- kind of th- I'll give, there's three levels of parenting that I'll teach parents. The first level is parenting that happens when you have little kids that are running around crazy and they're doing things and they could get hurt, and that's called parenting. You'll be like, okay, we don't actually stab our sibling with the fork at the table. We just don't do that. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Yep. That, that's parent. That's parenting. The next step happens in teenage life, in early teenage life. So this happens like 12, 13, 14, on to about 17 years old. You enter into what's called the coaching phase of parenting. And it looks like this. 
when I'm coaching football or I'm coaching, so say I'm coaching football and I have a player come off and I do the same thing. I'm like, why did you do that? And they look at me kind of cross. I said, do you know what you're supposed to do? Yes. Do you know how to do it? No. So in coaching, it's like this. You teach it, you teach in sports, like say someone, you're teaching a foul shot in basketball. It would be really ridiculous for the coach to just yell and scream at the kids while they're shooting, practicing foul shots to get them better. But what yeah. will happen, a good coach will go like this. Okay, here's how you do it. Here's the form. Here's your follow through. I want you to practice right now. And then he'll watch them or she'll watch them and go, oh, if we just tweak this one thing and they'll say, okay, stop for a minute. Just move this one little part of your elbow in and follow through a little bit more. I think it'll help. Okay, go practice. And in teenage life, that's in, in coaching. That's how we start. That's how I ask parents to coach their teenagers say, okay, so. Abby, I see that you're doing this and that's really good. Can I teach you how to do this part? Okay, good. Now go practice. Yeah. Now the hard part for a teenager, and I teach the teenagers this, when your parents come to you because you're going to interpret it as an emotion, you're going to say, my parents are mad. They hate me. They're so angry. No, no, no. They're just coaching you. And the way that you were reading it is all wrong. Just be coachable. And they go, oh, oh, oh okay. okay. I'm being coached just like you went on a football field. Okay, I got, they're not mad at you. They just want the best for you. But parents can't continually pound that into them. Just little coaching moments. It's a coaching moment. And then as they get older, if we, when you do this right, you enter into what's called the mentoring phase. And the mentoring phase is they'll come to you and go, mom, what do you, what do you think I should do? And you say, well, what do you think? Well, let's walk through this. Where are you at? And right now, this is something that my, that my wife, Chelsea, and I have been very aware of with all of our children. So now our older children are in the mentoring phase and they'll say things like, man, you guys are so chill. You guys are so chill. I'm like, well, because we're in mentoring phase. Yeah. You're, you have to live life at this point. You're, you're a young adult. What do you, what do you need from us? How can I help you? Well, right. I'd like you to help me with it. So you can kind of see that process where parents, but. If you were overbearing, if you were overbearing to a teenager and you put pressure on, the natural tendency is to escape. Like, I'm done. I got to get yeah. out of the pressure. So yeah. that's what happens to lots of parents. They put more and more pressure and more and more pressure on their teenagers. And eventually they pop and they go, okay, let's go to coaching phase and let's see how that's different. Parents go, oh, that's wonderful. I never even knew that was a possibility. That is so insightful and helpful. And it's true. It's so true. Like, and, and my son has even used that word specifically. Mom, that feels pressurizing. Mom, you feel like you're pressurizing me to do this. And and they say, they say pressurizing instead of pressuring. And I don't want to correct it because I think it's so cute. You're pressurizing me. And, I love it. But it's true. They're like, mom, I'm feeling so much pressure. And, and I'm like, but I'm thinking... I'm helping you. I'm trying to teach you. And and I think there's a sense of panic that I know I only have four and a half more years with my son. And I feel like I have to literally teach you everything before you leave. I have to make sure you know everything before you leave and you're on your mission. You're like, wait, I don't know how to iron a shirt. Wait, I don't know how to make this food. And wait, what, how do I wake up early and set my alarm and read my scriptures and go out with my companion? Like, I'm I'm still for crying out loud like don't you remember you have to wear shoes to school like the carpels here where oh yeah my shoes like we wear shoes to school every day don't you remember and like little things I'm all how in the world are you ever gonna make it if you forget your shoes and you know so there's a sense of panic that and then then so many other things he's like today I fasted for this and I received this answer in my prayer and I'm like oh my goodness you are leaps and bounds ahead of where I was when right. I went. 13. So there are so many other wonderful things. And then there's some things I'm like, really, you forgot to bring your lunch? Really? You forgot this? So it's such a good, those are incredible strat, like parenting, coaching, mentoring. That is so good for me as a parent. Like, okay, what phase am I in? I'm in parenting slash mentoring right now. I've got seven to 13. So I'm in both of those phases. And really to be like, I can't parent my seven-year-old how I parent my 13-year-old. And I'm not, and I'm not going to say the same thing now to my 13-year-old as I would my seven-year-old, that there's different ways of talking to them and helping them figuring, 
figure things out. I feel like I want, I want you to coach me. <laughs> I want you to mentor me and help me. So like, it's so, so much. So fun. And I've done all of this. Like I did the same thing in my seminary classes and I would coach them and I would be very coachy in the very beginning. And then by the time we hit May, I remember another seminary teacher coming in and being like, why are your kids so well behaved? I'm like, I absolutely trust them. I could leave the classroom for a half hour and there would never be a problem because they were, they, they understood my expectations were realistic and I was very loving to them because kids don't care how much you know until they know, you, they know how much you care. Yes. I love and I, and I tell, I tell my kids, my own children, this fair does not mean equal. Uh huh. So I, it just cause you think it like doesn't mean equal. The 13 year old is not the same as a seven year old. So it doesn't have to be equal to be fair. You're seven. You're 13. Doesn't have to be equal to be fair because you're right. a different age. And then when we look at the expectation, sometimes we get really clingy and because we, we, we want so much to happen and we go, Oh my goodness, I, I have to do more. And we get really tight. So we hold on tight. But actually yeah. what would happen? What would happen if you just let go just a little bit and people go, oh, I might lose control of my teenager. They might, but what if they don't? And I think goal, I'll bring it all the way back to our original conversation where like Heavenly Father allows us the opportunity to choose and grow. And that the ways that my that Heavenly Father blessed my life was ways that I did not think was going to happen. And that same process is going to happen in my teenager. It's same process is going to happen in my child. He will do that to every single one of us. And he is doing that. And so my job as a parent is to connect with the powers of heaven and say, what do you want me to do with him? Because I'm at a loss. He's your kid. Yes. And just to learning. And sometimes Heavenly Father goes, you need to, you need to just maybe just calm down a little bit. Not be so, <laughs> be so explosive. Do you remember that talk? I think it was by Larry Lawrence and it, and a long time ago. And he was like talking about Heavenly, what Heavenly Father, what lack I yet. Yes. And, and he's the one girl was like, Heavenly Father, what lack I yet? What should I do? And he's like, clean your room. And they're like, what? Clean your room. Yeah. You can't feel the spirit unless you have a clean room. Oh, okay. And parents, we go, what lack I yet? And they go, do you maybe just don't be so hard on them? Yes. He's just learning. And you're like, but if I, if I do, he won't know how to iron his shirt. Yeah. But I'll, t I'll, I'll teach him and I'll send him somebody actually on his mission who will, he'll listen to actually. And, He'll learn how to iron her sh his shirt because she'll be the cutest little lady. And she'll say, Elder, Elder Herbert, you, I'm going to teach you how to iron your shirt today. It looks like, and he'll go, oh, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes do you think there's things that other people can teach our children that, that we, and I'm not saying that we give up our role as parents or let someone else raise them or do things, but do you think there are situations where Heavenly Father's like, but they'll listen to them maybe more, or this will impact them more if it if it comes from someone else. And yeah, Heavenly Father, He makes a community, doesn't He? He makes yeah. it like a young men's leaders, and young women's leaders, and seminary teachers, and EFY teachers, and FSY teachers, and and all these wonderful people He puts in their life. And you think back and think about your life and go, oh yeah, I had all these people that Heavenly Father sent because they were so good, and mine was. My, I have lists of those mentors in my life. Heavenly Father will do it. And I, it was funny, I was coaching a kid. I was with him this week and he, he was kind of a little bit, he doesn't know me well enough and we were just getting to know each other and he was kind of giving me the, like the little sneeriness a little bit and I was fine, I was working with him. And then he went to Sunday school last week and the Sunday school teacher said, hey, I, there's a guy that I watch on YouTube that explains pretty simple to teenagers. I think you guys will really like it. I'm going to turn this on. And it was me. Oh, no way. And this, and this boy goes, wait, I know him. And the guy, teacher goes, you do? You watch him too on YouTube? He goes, no, like I personally know him. I have his cell phone number in my phone. And the guy goes, he just loses his mind. He's like, wait, you know, Steve Scott. He's like, yeah, he's, he's my life coach. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> but when he came back to our next session, he goes, Steve, I did not realize what you did. You never said that. And I was like, well, I, I that's not what I lead with. So. Yeah. 
I guess you're kind of cool. I guess <laughs> you know. Yeah. So our session went really, really well. That is awesome. Well, what would you say, Steve, to we talked about our our lives not turning out the way that we thought Heavenly Father would. What would you say to parents who are listening who are maybe watching this happen in their own children's lives and how to support them and like, wait a minute, I my whole life I was this incredible lacrosse player and I knew I was going to get a scholarship and I have all these colleges looking at me and now I just tore my ace on my ACL or now I just hurt my shoulder and now I can't play and I won't my life won't turn out the way I thought it would because as as difficult as it is for us to let go and let God prevail in our life I think it's so much harder as a mother to witness that in my children's lives to to be like this isn't fair. They work so hard for this. Why would you do this to them? And watching them be devastated, even though I came out the other side stronger and better and with more faith and trust, watching my kids go through that struggle and and learn how to put their faith in Heavenly Father is so much harder. So what would you say to parents that are listening and watching their children's lives not turn out exactly the way either their children wanted or maybe the way that their parents wanted for them. How did they let go and let God prevail in their children's lives? There's a quote that I heard from Tony Robbins that said, trade your expectations for appreciation and everything will change. Oftentimes, Oftentimes we experience pain because our expectations are not being met of what we think life should look like. Uh Uh-huh. And so we experience pain. My, my child is not going to, like they tore their ACL. The expectation was they're going to be this. And when our expectations are not being met by our current reality, we experience pain and we go like, God, this is your fault. And, and the Heavenly Father might go, I need you to take a look at your expectations and trade those right in. And I want you to just show appreciation for that boy who is sitting on the field with a torn ACL. And getting an education and has like so many friends around him. I'm going to share, can I share one last story just to help illustrate? Please do. Please do. And some people might know that this happened. Uh, I'm going to share it without trying to get emotional because it was my own kid. So I have a six foot five, 250 pound boy who's wanted to play football his whole life, just like his dad. I sent him down to Lone Peak High School. He's, he was born when we were down at Provo School and went to Lone Peak to, and he was living with some friends and, and I did all the paperwork and I thought I did everything right. And I did everything, checked every box that I thought I was supposed to check. So he's American. He goes down there and he, he goes from like fifth on the, on the rotation, starting rotation and works his way up to starting as a, as a junior. And he's starting in the, at the Lone Peak High School and he's doing really well. He's learning so much, such a steep learning curve. And he's calling me crying and he's just like, I'm not there to help him. And so I'm like at a distance, just praying for this boy. And then I get a phone call from the athletic director at Lone Peak High School. And he says, Steve, we missed something on his application. It said that there was one box saying, had he ever played football before? And, and the way that it was worded was very clear that had he ever played football in the United States or in Utah, and I clicked no, but he had played football in Canada. And so it got put up to the high school athletic commission and they suspended him. Oh. And, and then they took away every win from Lone Peak High School as a result. No. And so it hit the news and they called me and said, he called me and said, dad, I'm getting like threats. There's like police parked outside the house. People are like threatening me. It's like the worst dad. And I was like, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. So I drove, got jumped in the car and I drove 12 hours to go be with my son. He called me, he said, dad, my coach called me and asked me to go to American Fork to the game tonight. And I told him no. And then he showed up at the house. And so I'm going with my coach to the game. And I said, son, I don't think that this is the good, the right thing to do. Are you sure you can emotionally handle this? And he said, yeah. 
I, I, I'm going to go. So you can just feel it. Like my dad heart is like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. like what's going to happen? Like this social pressure that's going to happen right now is too much for him. Yes. As a junior, he can't process this. And adults are mad. And, they're, and what happened is they won the game. He sat on the sideline and you know, people, well, one of the captains stood on the bench, gave him the game ball and started cheering. Everyone started cheering. We love Braxton. We love Braxton. And my immediate impression was to take it away from him, to be like, don't go, don't do it. Let me save you. But what happened healed his soul. And he realized it was the friends that he had that Emily Father put in place and they supported him. And Lone Peak went on to make it to the finals that year. In playoffs, anyway, he had to sit back and watch. It was super painful for him. But oftentimes, we want to pull it away, and I wanted to pull it away. I was I was driving twelve hours through the night to go find him and take my son away from it. Yeah. But Heavenly Father taught a lesson right there to me that he was like, "I got this. I I got this. Let me and let me show you that I can do it better than you can do it." And once again, I was like, "Yeah, you can." Oh, that is the most heartbreakingly beautiful story. And, and I, I, I do, I think that is every parent's first reaction is, let me take away your pain. <laughs> like, I can do it. Give it to me. Let me do it. And what we forget is that Christ has already done that. He has already taken away all of our pain. He's already done that for us, that, that we just need to turn them over to God instead of try and take it away. Like, oh no, Jesus Christ already did that. And now we just need to trust. And what a beautiful reminder that Heavenly Father, you said, I got this and He and he's got us. I got you. I got your son. I got you. It's okay. But man, that would be so hard for a sweet teenage boy who's already away from his parents and already doing something really hard to be faced with that kind of pressure and then to have those amazing friends rally around him, be like, we don't care. We love you anyway. It's not your fault. We don't hold it against you. Wow. That is such a, that ne- there needs to be like a movie made about that <laughs> That's a well, story. And then the next part was he had to come home. He came home and shortly after COVID happened oh. and, and he, he, what happened? What happened is he would have been stuck in Utah and not able to not able to come home. They they closed oh, no. down. Oh yeah, the border. I have family up in Canada, and and it. it I mean, it's a solid year before yeah. we could go up there. So that would have been even yeah. more difficult, right? So yeah. Heavenly Father knows. He knows. He really does know. Turns no. out he's got. Turns out he's God. Turns out he's. Turns out he's omnipotent, right? And and he's. Yeah. Am I? Did I say that right? Omnipotent. Um, omnipotent. Omnip- thank you. I'm like, <laughs> I, I know I'm missing one of the omnipotent. I think that omnipotent, omniscience, and omnipresent. And um, uh, those are all of them. <laughs> thank you for helping the mom brain out. He is. Turns out he just knows everything and he knows the end from the beginning. And I love that. Turns out he's God <laughs> and he's got us. He's God and he's got us. I love that so much. Steve, it has been so much fun to talk with you today. And if, if there are people that are listening that are like, wait a minute, I want I want my son or my daughter to learn from you or, or, or to maybe life coaching would benefit them in their life. Where can they go to find out more about what that is and if it's right for them? Or where can they go to watch YouTube videos that you've put out for Come Follow Me? How can, how can, how can parents get to know you a little bit more and, and what you do and find out if, if you could help benefit their family as well? Well, they can go to my website, thestevescott.com. And under the teen coaching section, there's a way to schedule a call to meet with me and see if, if it's a good fit. I have, I have numerous programs available. I have numerous programs for teens and some of the right they're so exciting the stuff that we're working on right now with teenagers and so they can find me at thestevescott.com also the same on on youtube is the steve scott my wife and i my wife joined me halfway through covid and started teaching with me and so now we are a husband and wife duo and we get to teach and do it together and it's just a wonderful thing to do 
So they can find us there. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for talking with me today and, and sharing your story and for all of the good that you are doing in this world right now. And I'm even just listening. I'm like, oh, I want to set up a call with you with my kids and, and just see, you know, get another perspective on what we can do to help them become the amazing people that they were meant to be so they can go on and serve and help others because that's really the whole point is I love what you said. We're all just here for each other. We're all just helping each other. We're all just holding each other's hands until we get home. And I love that thought. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon